Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, happy Sunday. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, welcome to fall, I guess. Although I hear summer's coming back this week, so don't fret if you had to pull out the... Uh, the jeans and the jackets. I saw people with toques. I thought that was going just a little bit too far. Also, uh, happy Rosh Hashanah. Happy Jewish New Year to our Jewish listeners out there who are celebrating. Um, I'm not sure how many of you are into TIFF. You can always text in if that's something you enjoy. You can text in anytime during the show, 71010, because I am live with you until 9 p.m. Um, but uh, I don't usually, and I, always, I say this every year, I'm not that organized that I look in advance to see what movies I want to, to catch or who's coming to town. I'm sort of that person afterwards who waits for my friends to say, oh, I saw this film and it was really great. You should see it. And then I go, okay, you've just narrowed it down for me. You've made my life a lot easier. But uh, as you may or may not know, if you've been downtown, part of King Street has been closed off since Friday. Sort of, I think they were calling it like the, the Festival Row uh, in front of the theaters. Uh, and it's quite nice. It's just open to pedestrians. It's frustrating for Drivers, I know Friday was a bit tough for people, uh, but the street will be open again tomorrow. But the thing is, I live nearby, so I've had to walk through there a couple of times this weekend. And uh, it's nice. You know what? It's nice that it brings people to the city. It's nice that it brings people from all walks of life, all different areas downtown, um, who get really excited about movies and actors and directors. And uh, I'm just really amazed at how well-prepared people are when they come down. Like, I see these kids walking around. They've got their umbrellas. They also pack, like, um, little foldable stools, and they tie them to their backpacks and everything so that they can stand at the back of a crowd and still take a great photo, you know, with their iPhone. Um, so I haven't seen any celebrities. If you have, let me know, 71010. Um, but I see all the black cars parked along uh, the front of my street. I did see Susan Sarandon from a distance, and that's only because I was trying to get through a crowd and everyone was yelling her name, and that was the only... That was the only reason I knew. Um, there's something I wanted to mention that I didn't get a chance to talk about last uh, on last week's show, which was in the headlines a lot last week and I think is still in the headlines this week. But, you know, as time passes, people start to, you know, uh, forget and focus on other things. So I know that uh, I'm sure most of you have uh, seen the photo of that uh, three-year-old boy, the Syrian boy who drowned along with his mother and brother. And so this was uh, Alan Curdy. This was... Almost two weeks ago that that photo came out. Well, shortly after that, when there was a lot of attention surrounding um, Syrian refugees, I was poking around on Facebook, and a woman that I know that I think I've only met once, actually, but we have many mutual friends, uh, she had posted on Facebook uh, a link to Lifeline Syria. So that's an organization that had information about sponsoring a Syrian refugee family. So she posted this link, and all she said was, I'd be interested in putting together a group if anyone wanted to support a family for a year, let me know. So I looked at it and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna send her an email and I'll tell her that uh, that I'm interested. And she was looking for a group of about 20 people, which is which is pretty large because um, it does require that many people to sort of commit. And the reason was that most of us we work in creative fields. We are what I like to call partially unemployed or partially employed. We freelance. And it was just an easier financial commitment if we had more people. So it costs about $27,000 to support a family of four for about a year. Now, when you think about that, you know 
that that is not a very high standard of living. So that's sort of the minimum, but that's what you're committing to. You're saying, yes, we will commit to at least $27,000, and we're going to help a family uh, financially for a year. You would treat it as though you had a family member coming from somewhere else that you were trying to help out. So with 20 of us or more, that meant that we were each responsible for you know, a little over $1,000, and we could fundraise any way we wanted to. So when you think about it, that's not that difficult. If you were to really work your network, the people you know, your friends, your family, maybe do something creative to fundraise, you could absolutely raise $1,000. Um, in the end, we have a group of over 30 people, which is amazing. And we had people just... I reposted it for her, and I had people on Facebook that I didn't even know writing to me saying, "I want to, I want to send you a check. I want to send you, you know, uh, fifty bucks. I want to send you five hundred dollars." I had someone write to me and say, "I really want to help you out. I can send you a thousand dollars," which is extremely generous. But I think that's a reflection of how much people want to help. So there are other ways of helping, obviously, besides committing to sponsoring a family. Uh, but if you're interested, the, the website is lifelinesyria.ca. There are other organizations out there, but it might be something to consider if you have a group of uh, friends and family, co-workers um, that you think might want to do something like this. It, really, it involves doing things like picking them up from the airport, um, helping get their kids registered in school, getting them into ESL classes, driving them around to the appointments that they need, helping them to find a place to live. So looking for an apartment for them, uh, furnishing that apartment for them, and um, you know, helping them with groceries, getting to know the city. So there is a little bit more involved if that interests you. And it was really nice to see that over 30 people on my you know, Facebook network were interested in doing that. So I think it's going to be great. And, uh, and I think it's a great way to also bring people together. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is that the Toronto Fall Home Show is coming up October 1st to 4th at the Better Living Centre at Exhibition Place. I will be there um, emceeing the stage all four days. I'm also giving away tickets to the show later on um, within this show. So keep listening for your chance to win a pair of double passes. Also, Toronto Food and Wine is taking place this weekend up at Evergreen Brickworks. And um, I mentioned last week that Friday I'll be there for the Heritage Barbecue in the evening. If you want to, you have to buy tickets to this. That's the thing. So you just visit their website if you want to find out more. Um, and there's going to be great chefs, lots of great food there. So speaking of chefs, uh, my guest tonight, Chef Mike Ward, is here in the studio. Um, you're going to stick around for a bit because we're going to talk about helping people to organize their kitchen like a chef. I'm not going anywhere. It's minus 600 out there tonight. <laughs> this is, I'm, Sid and I are laying out a sleeping bag in the corner and we're here for the long run. You've got TVs and free food. There is, well, we don't have much food. I'll tell you that. We have water and we have lots of TVs. <laughs> so, Mike, um, let's give people a little bit of your background. So you've been, is it, You've been cooking since you were 17, is that right? Yeah, I was a trained cook, chef, straight out of high school. And then I um, I think like a lot of people that go into cooking, they become slightly disillusioned with just, you know, the, the, the long hours. It's not sexy. Chefs are rock stars nowadays, but mm -hmm. you're doing six days a week and you're doing 2 a.m., you know, and it's it's hard to have a normal life because... You can't get into bed at 2 a.m. And, and wind down. So what do yeah. you do? You have a drink or two with people you work with. And before you know it, it's a real lifestyle. So I kind of found other creative pursuits and started directing and producing lifestyle television. And in, and recently have kind of come back to, to putting both of those things together, 
creating food content and kind of exploring both of the things I love the most. Now, you have a very successful YouTube channel. You do also, your your dishes are beautiful. They're well, very it's stunning. funny you asked about uh, bumping into TIFF celebrities because, uh, yes, I am a, I'm a YouTube monster. Okay? <laughs> you are. Um, but I walked by Matt Damon the other day. <gasps> and uh, Yeah, and it was very unusual because I, I, I figured that he recognized me and was intimidated he because he did. looked straight at me and didn't say a single word. God love him. He comes up to my knees. I'm six foot four, admittedly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, YouTube's fun. You know, it's fun. It, spending years in television, and as you all know, you know, yeah. you're – there's the confines of the CRTC, which for those uh, folks that don't know, is the regulatory body for television radio. And, you know, you can do anything on YouTube. You can just post your own content. And yeah. it's it's so exciting because it's immediate. You get immediate responses. These are things that we don't have in the world of television. So, you know, instead of going out as we would in television, you would block shoot 13 episodes you know, the way that I do it is you just make one and then people, you know, will react and say, do yeah. this and do that. And it, it can be immediately seasonal. You know, you don't have to plan six months out. You're not shooting something now for six months later and no. then having the risk of someone saying, ah, you know what? We changed our mind. That's right. You know, <laughs> and, and you can, yeah, you can be really current and do what interests you. Um, we were, we were, Sydney and I were making a video earlier tonight, which we're yeah. going to throw up tomorrow. Well, your daughter Sydney's in studio with us. She's your, uh, how old is Sydney? 11? 11. She's nodding. Um, and uh, so she was helping you in the, in the kitchen then. Yeah. You have two daughters and they're both quite, uh, they're good cooks. Yeah. Yeah, yes, you know, they so you're are. sort of They are, like, you know, they are. They're keen cooks, and I think that makes for a good cook. That's all that matters. Yeah. If you're if you're fearless and you're willing to try something, I think that's the best cook of all. Now, yeah. when we come back from the break, we're going to talk, because you've got the experience, so you were going to talk about organizing your kitchen, but organizing everything like, in terms of just not wasting money, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And then a little bit more, and uh, we're going to chat about, I guess, the dark side of the celeb chef culture, because I really find <laughs> that that's it's kind of in the last decade because i think it was it's a very much a food network thing too is is once people started going oh wow cooking is kind of sexy and these people know what they're doing and it really built the celebrity culture of yeah. you know of like yeah. rock star chefs but it also put a lot of pressure on people at home who are rushing to get dinner on the table yes. in an hour do you want to un open that can of worms now or are we doing <laughs> no, that after we'll the break that. we'll talk okay, about that a little bit good. later okay. um, and just to, you know make everyone's lives a little easier when it comes to cooking so that's uh, chef mike ward he's going to stick around here on the show if you have any questions you can always text in as well at 7 10 10 and uh, we'll do our best to answer them for you you're listening to the page 10 show here on in-depth radio news talk 10 10 this is the page 10 show on in-depth radio news talk 10 10 hey welcome back to the show thanks for tuning in tonight um my guest in studio i have chef mike ward and what I didn't get to mention a few minutes ago when we were talking to you, Mike, is that you've actually uh, cooked for some pretty big A-list names. I mean, just because I'm thinking Tiff is in town, we've got all these celebrities, but like I see in your bio, Julia Roberts, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. How did that happen? Restaurants I was working at at oh. the time. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I, I found that the higher the end restaurant, the more expensive the price point was. There was the 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 guests would come in and have more fun with the idea of not ordering off the menu. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of places or a lot of guests, when they go to a restaurant, they consider that to be a, you know an extreme act of pretentiousness. But it's actually a lot of fun, <laughs> depending on the restaurant, of course. But it's a lot of fun for the chef when 
you know, Kiefer Sutherland uh, pulls me out and there's his dad. I didn't know this was years ago. I didn't yeah. know who he was at the time, long time, but I knew his dad from growing up. And, you know, he said there's eight of us. Um, you know, she's allergic to this. He's allergic to that. Make whatever you want. Just keep the food coming. It's so much fun. You go in and, you know. It's a challenge It's then, a right? challenge. It's, it's almost like they're guests in your own home. Yeah. And, of course, you're in a fully stocked kitchen. Which is amazing. You've got all the ingredients you could possibly want at Price is not right? an issue. They don't, they're no, <laughs> hey, can you do that for $22? Yeah. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Pear wine. And, you know, oh, you get amazing. an amazing experience. That's kind of dreamy. Um, so with your experience, uh, you I have you here to talk about uh basically we're we're trying to organize our kitchen more like a chef without that being too intimidating because i'm sure for a lot of people and i do this all the time and i live alone so i almost don't understand how i buy food that doesn't get eaten because i bought it for myself <laughs> it's different when how did that end up there what it's different I, when yeah. you're you know um like i think of when my mom would buy stuff and we'd be like, eh, we don't want to eat that. We don't like that. And then things go to waste, yes. right? Or, you know, she didn't get around to cooking something that night and then it gets tossed. Or she's like, oh, look, I could buy this package of three heads of lettuce. Yeah. And then all of it goes into the garbage a week yeah. later. So, you know, even for myself, I get overly ambitious because I'll go to a farmer's market and mm -hmm. I'll go, oh, I want to buy all of this stuff. And I'm thinking, what, what is the, you know, reality of me actually eating all of that within the next few days before it goes bad. Mm. So I've got, I even have to learn my lesson a little bit. Well, I think what the point that I'm leaning towards is that the difference between a cook and a chef is that when you train to become a chef, you re it's, it's really accounting. That's the mm -hmm. difference. So a cook and a chef can both cook equally as well in theory. And, you know, depending on the restaurant, many, many um, chefs will go in and set up the menu and then leave. And then a cook will, you know, execute that until the next time they want to change the menu. But what a chef does is really he's an, he or her is an accountant. So they understand how to price structure a menu. So mm -hmm. when you, you can apply that to your house in, in ways that many people don't think of. So, for instance, as you suggested, you know, what, what, what really food kind of this food porn thing has taught us or the byproduct of it is it, is it, you know, I want something tonight. So I just go out and buy all the ingredients for that. You can't nor really go out and buy just the ingredients for that. You always mm -hmm. end up with more. What a chef does is he or she walks into their restaurant in the morning, walks into that, into that walk-in and says, what do I need to sell tonight? Because that's real money. Right. And, and then they will accompany that with something maybe that's coming in that morning. But they're always rotating their stock in terms of what's on the menu. So what I try to do and encourage other people to do is before you go shopping, mm -hmm. open your fridge and have a look what you got. You don't have to replicate what you have had last night because I feel the same way as you. You know, oh, geez, I bought three heads of lettuce. I don't want that again. I want something else. But if you can try to pull one or two things mm -hmm. from your cooler then you won't be throwing all that money away. And you right. know how disheartening that is. You open it and you realize, oh, man, I've just thrown 60 bucks in the garbage. Oh, you know I know. What I mean? It's so Based on a whim. Yeah. yeah. All right. So then, um, so I know you were saying, like, repack your dry goods. What What do you mean by that? Well, that, so, so you know, in, again, a professional kitchen, when most things come in, particularly dry goods, what you will do is you will open and repackage them in containers that are clear tops, they're, they're containers that store much more efficiently in terms of space management. So what that allows you to do, and I'm certainly guilty of this, you know, how many packets of half packets of rice do you have in the back of your pantry or flour and this, that and the other. Mm -hmm. uh, so what you want to do is buy your rice, crack it open, go and buy a bunch of cheap containers from a loony store, Ikea, clear ones, pack it in that. And that way, when you, when you, next time you open it, you know, okay, at a glance, I've got that much rice, I've got that much flour, I've got that much sugar. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're really only buying one bag at a time. Maybe a second one that you don't open up the back. But mm -hmm. again, it's far more efficient in terms of, you know, you, you know you're using what's open and what's fresh. It's got a lid on it. So yeah. you're not getting any little vermin in there. Ish. <laughs> and you're saving money. Um, I, I'm amazed at how often I come home and, I'm, and I buy something. I go, oh. I already have that. I go to put it away. I'm like, oh, I have that. And it's yeah. open. Well, the old three dozen eggs routine. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's like, oh, I have two open bags of sugar. Why do I, why does that happen? Um, so I'm interested in this idea of making use of the not freshest ingredients because mm. half the time I look at something and I'm like, this carrot is soft. Uh, the whole bag is kind of soft. We're mm. just going to toss it. Mm. I, I'm not going to eat it. Mm. But so what do you mean by that, by making use of the well, not Well, same thing stuff? again. It goes back to this idea that where I think there's, um, I sound like a cynic and I'm not. There's a, there's, <laughs> there's a, you know, I think we're spoiled nowadays in the idea that to create good food for yourself and your guests, you have to always use the freshest. You have to use what's in season. You have to use, you know, organic. The truth is you don't. And the truth is, is that most chefs that run kitchens don't do that either. If they do not throw a bunch of herbs out the minute it begins to wilt, I assure yeah. you, they do not. They put it to use. So, you know, there's a million things you can do with herbs. I mean, the mm -hmm. moment, you know, most people buy a bunch of herbs. Yeah. And we all know herbs are irritatingly expensive nowadays. You go to one of the major chains, you're in there like four bucks, two, three ninety nine for a bunch of weeds. But I don't even know anyone who has ever used an entire bunch of dill. Exactly. Like I wish the I wish herbs came in much much smaller quantities. I think we're onto something there. I well, like I that. would be happy to pay the same amount but have less because I, I I have never ever ever finished an entire bunch of parsley, cilantro, rosemary, um, whatever else. Yeah. Thyme. Yeah. Never. I've never used the whole thing. Well, worst case, I mean, so the you know thyme and rosemary, for instance, you, you can, can dry. dry them. I yeah. Know. But <laughs> things like dill, parsley, coriander, you know, you can turn into any type of pesto. Yeah. Uh, turn it into any type of dip. I mean, you'd be surprised. I do this with the kids. You'd be oh, with dip, almost that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, almost any type of tinned bean. Mm -hmm. If you throw that in with with a with a clove of garlic, olive oil, salt, pepper, lemon juice, and some type of herb, I'd say nine out of ten times you're going to get something that's pretty edible. Yeah, that's a pretty good dip. Um, you can text in throughout the show if you like. Uh, Mike's going to stick around for a little bit at seven ten ten. I know uh, your daughter's here, Sydney, and she's been wanting to give something. We have a little to something me. for you. Sid? But Sydney, did you want to do you want to get into the microphone? Do you want to tell me what it is? What do we got? Sydney's 11 years old and she helps you a lot with your YouTube videos. So Chef Mike Ward has a fantastic YouTube channel. Uh, you're very present online. So what are you going to tell me what it is first, Sydney? Um, it's a sausage roll. Where did it come from? Um, Across the street, not <laughs> Australia. <laughs> But it is an oh, Australian. Oh, is it from Kanga? The, uh, <laughs> yes, it yes, is. The like Australian uh, meat pie place. Yeah. Delicious. Thank you so much. Did you have one as well? Yes, I did. What was your favorite kind of meat pie? The kiwi one. The kiwi one. Oh, that one is. It's the traditional kiwi one. I think it is a ground beef, Mike. Is that yeah, you're in good it? at this. It's ground beef with cheese. Ground and typically, with Australian cheese. one wouldn't have cheese. Yeah. Oh, I don't know whether okay. it's branded over there, but oh my, I, we love that place. No, it's, it's a, a great place. You know what? There's two young girls who started it, mm. and uh, they're really lovely. They went away to Australia for a, a, about a year, I think, mm -hmm. came back and realized, I think, in their 20s that it was a perfect sort of 
after bar food mm. and there was nothing around that was like it and they opened up this great place. And with the onset of cold weather now, that's so Australian. I mean, that's what we would do. You'd have two a day. You go in and buy a meat pie or a you sausage roll. Oh, oh my, my goodness. And you cover it in tomato sauce. We call it tomato <laughs> sauce back there, not ketchup. Oh my goodness. It's like Amazing. your go-to. Well, thank you so much. So Mike, you're going to stick around because after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the pressures of food culture, sort of the downside of celebrity chef culture as well. I mm -hmm. think there's a lot. I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves when they go online, right? Because you want to live up. You want to keep up with the Joneses, even though it might be someone you don't even know. I do too. Cookbooks, yeah. Instagram. Yeah, it's it's become pretty unachievable for well, a lot of people. Well, your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook feed is food porn, like, defined. It's quite <laughs> beautiful. Well, thank you. But hopefully it's also, you know, the feedback I constantly get is that it's doable. Yes. You know, it's not, pardon the pun, it's not waving a dangling carrot that I will never be able to reach. Yeah. It's very practical recipes. So Mike's going to stick around. If you have a question, you can text in at 71010. And uh, just a reminder that you can always um, follow me on Twitter at PayChen. You can also catch podcasts of the show, PayChen.com. You can also find that in uh, iTunes as well. So coming back with more with Chef Mike Ward. You're listening to The PayChen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. <laughs> I want to mention that I do have passes to give away to the Toronto Fall Home Show taking place October 1st to the 4th at uh, the Better Living Centre at Exhibition Place. If you want a chance to win, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time because Elliot clued me in that we can do text entries and that is a smart thing to do. Like it. You like it. <laughs> it's great. So I'm going to give away three pairs of tickets. So you can text in 71010, text your full name, and your mailing address because I am going to mail you your tickets the old-fashioned way. So if there's a typo, you will not get it. So 71010, uh, just mention that you're entering the contest. It'll be pretty obvious because I'm not running any other contest at this moment. Uh, with your name and your mailing address. And uh, I'll send three people two tickets to the home show, which you can enjoy between October 1st and 4th, and hopefully I will see you there. Uh, my guest in studio is Chef Mike Ward and uh, his daughter, Sydney, who gave me a sausage roll. Thank you very much. So we were, uh, we're also talking about the pressures of food culture, Mike. So we were just talking before the break about how you post a lot of really beautiful food and recipes online. Um, and for a lot of people, there's this sort of pressure sometimes to live up to what we see on TV shows, mm. what we see on Instagram, what we see in magazines. Um, but there's also like a downside, which you want to talk about. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, spending so many years in the world of media and creating content as well as cooking, there's, I think what's happened is in the last few years, we start, I'm getting rather heady. We start to, we started to wear food as our personal brand. You know, so we post where we eat. We post the recipe, the, the, the ingredients we're buying. We post the dish. And not unlike, you know, we might post, you know, our watch or our suit or whatever it may, <laughs> our car, you know, if, if you're into that type of thing. So it's, it's become an extension of the way, you know, we want to project ourselves to the world, which is fine and lovely. But I think what it's done is it's also created, you know, an odd insecurity byproduct in some people where, 
you know, hey, I don't go to farmers markets. I don't mm. go to, dare I say, Whole Foods or, mm. you know, like ex premium supermarkets. I mean, even even myself, I do a lot of my shopping at, you know, No Frills and some of the other lesser ones because, you know, it's 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 I'm getting the same goods at a much better price. Um, so, you know, that's is the idea of kind of being more honest about well, and again, this is the way a chef thinks, is you don't have to have the best to create a really great meal. Which is, which is so contrary to what we often hear or what we think, right? Which is to live up to the standard of like, always the best. You have to have um, this, the meat that was fed. Your animal had to have like been living on a cashmere bed, fed yes. caviar. Massaged and, with yes, candlelight. Exactly. Yes. Then you think, oh, Wow, I'm never going to be able to afford that, you know, thirty dollar chicken breast. Yeah, and that's not the truth. Yeah, what a, what a what a professional cook does is they apply a lot of technique to a wide range of ingredients, and not all of them. Are, mm -hmm. I mean, when, when was the last time you went into a restaurant and it said on the menu that it was organic? It's very rare when you really think about it. Um, I feel like vegetables are often organic. Vegetables are. Yeah. I mean, if, and, if, and specifically if you're going to a restaurant that is a vegetarian restaurant or a vegan mm -hmm. restaurant, that's a premium, you know, point of difference for them. Yeah. But if you're going to a regular restaurant where, you know, one third of it might be, you know, pastas, pizzas and meats. Yeah. Then it's very rare you hear organic on there because they're applying great technique and skill to everyday ingredients and giving you something that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that, that's the recipes that I like to talk about is that, you know, I don't believe, there's no alchemy that goes on in a professional kitchen. These are people that have just done a bit of training. They're fearless. That's something I like talking about as well is the idea that, you know, when you allow yourself to make mistakes, you can really grow and learn and be better in the kitchen. And, you know, don't necessarily feel obliged to follow that recipe the way, I mean, I know how to cook, obviously, but, but you know, if you can look at the picture, let the picture mm -hmm. guide you and have a glance at the, 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 the written recipe and just give it a shot. I mean, you'd be surprised how in the flow of cooking a dish, how you can pull it and push it to your ultimate destination anyway, unless you're baking. Right. The baking is, you know, you got to get it right the first time. You, you, you throw it <laughs> you in there and then you're going, whoa, there's a certain miracle that occurs. With it. And that's why I can't stand baking. It's all <laughs> too scientific for me. <laughs> now, what do you mean by the right ingredient for the right job? Well, wow, that's a big question. It, it's, it's the idea of, I go back to economy again, you know, many of the the cheaper cuts of meat for me is where the flavor is, and that's where that you can have a lot of fun with technique. So we all go into a store and we all want tenderloin or sirloin. It's got to be AAA Canadian, you know, very expensive cuts of meat or very expensive cuts of fish. But if you're braising a dish, you don't need that. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can. And I often look to coming from Australia. You know, I often look to Asia for inspiration, even India, I've spent a lot of time in India, is this, you know, third world nations have a real ability through, uh, you know, practicality more than anything to take a protein and use that protein as a flavor base mm -hmm. to pull that flavor out into a starch and make it go a long way. It's really us in the Western world, I, I you know, air quoting the top of the food chain, yeah. that, we, you know, when we say, what are you having for dinner? Well, you mm -hmm. state the protein. Yes. What are you having? I'm having a steak. I'm having chicken. I'm having fish. Yeah. That's really not the way, you know, two thirds of the world eats. You know, eats. it's really interesting that you say that because uh, I, I've never been a big meat eater and people would say like, oh, is it is it a religious thing? Are you thing not going to eat the sausage roll we gave I you? I will eat the You're sausage roll. You're not going to eat that. No, Because I, I will take it back. I will bite it right All now right. because I'm at the top. Yeah, you're you're going to lick it. You're going to lick it and then take <laughs> but it. But like, but because growing up, we didn't eat, we didn't have 
large pieces of meat um, as a main. Like if there was beef in something, it was sliced up and, and stir fried with a lot of vegetables. Yes. It was never the main thing other than seafood. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there'd be whole fish and there'd be that sort of thing. But chicken, I didn't grow up eating a piece of chicken. Mm. Like if we went to KFC, then that was a treat. But like at home, my mom didn't give, like we didn't eat you know, a, a chicken breast covered in stuff. It was always like sliced up and stir fried or cooked we, with other things. Yeah, we're blissfully unaware here that that's we're but that reading was cheaper. It the, that was more economical. Sure. My mom could probably make a small piece of chicken stretch out to feed four people. You bet. We eat at the top of the food chain here, and I don't begrudge that. I, I think that's fine. But I think if you're if you open your mind to different cooking techniques, you can really have a lot of fun with you know getting a lot more out of that same ingredient but we roasted a whole chicken tonight and that's something that is so easy i mean we were talking I, before and we went i on said air. that i did it once and it was bloody you can't inside. mess up a well whole i didn't chicken. no i messed up a whole chicken oh my goodness Pi. all right you're getting a private <laughs> lesson whether you want it or not you i don't know how you did it but you shouldn't have been able to in theory oh come on it was so easy to undercook a whole chicken <laughs> oh you under well okay then that's fine then I, I, throw and it and back then in the oven it, I did put it back in the oven, and then it was it was a, it was just a disaster. Then it was like dry in bits and still bleeding. It looked amazing on your Instagram. <laughs> did it though? I stole that <laughs> off someone else's Instagram. That's what you do. You Google roast chicken, and then you see what comes well, up. Well, they they say they say that well, a lot of chefs say that perfect roast chicken is a benchmark of a chef's skill. But it is truly one of the things. You know, I'll post the recipe in a few days, and I'll send you the link. It is one of the easiest things on earth. But the reason I go back to that is that you can buy a whole chicken for the cost of two to the, the two breasts. A whole oh. chicken. You're getting you're getting 50%, well, 100% more meat, double yeah. the meat. And, you know, if you want to go and make a stock with it, you can. I mean, you can go on and on forever with that small animal that you paid 12 bucks for. Right, so you can really stretch it out. Yeah, and, 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 and you're not, there's no, I think there's no loss of uh, fun or flavor when you take that approach. It's just the idea of thinking out of the box in terms of not just buying the piece of protein and then what am I going to have with it? Well, you know, I think you make a great point because you're buying... Um when you're you're buying something with, and we hear this a lot from from guests who are on, which is buying something with the bones in it because you're able to do, you're able to like ha- make this one meal and then make it into a second meal. Yeah. You know, and, and stretch it out and do a lot more. So that, is that what you mean by like ro- real world eating versus aspirational eating? Just... Yeah. Well, what I mean is give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a big fan of of all the Celebrity Chef cookbooks. But, you know, God love them. I, I don't have the time to meander around a herb garden in a mm-hmm. white linen shirt and a wicker basket and pull <laughs> carrots out and, and smell them. You know, I go to Loblaws, yeah. you know, like we all do on Tuesday and it's yeah. raining and I park and I'm tired and I'm cranky and I want to grab my vegetables and I'm irritated they had to pay three bucks <laughs> for that. Yeah. You know, like I don't have the luxury of going off and, you know talking to the farmers on Saturday morning yeah. and, and getting but the But I love that. See, I'm a big farmer's market person. Well, I do too. And yeah. I, I'm all for it. My point is, is that my life, I think perhaps like most people's lives, mm-hmm. is very real. I do live downtown. Yeah. I wish I, I long for that luxury. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But I don't have it. So what does that look like when you go into a supermarket at 8 p.m. at night and you're tired mm-hmm. and cranky and you really want to have a bottle of wine instead yeah. of a meal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Uh, very quickly, what's always in your fridge? Oh my goodness! Well, a couple of things: um, capers, olives. Oh, yeah, yes. I, my 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 kids will open a can of capers and just eat them. Um, oh, amazing! Yeah, we all have uh, very salty palates. Mm-hmm. Um, arugula, quinoa. 
pretty healthy, pretty good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's I a nice mix. To, yeah, we do tend to eat on the healthy yeah. side. Yeah, but treats we tend to go out and buy and consume in the sitting because <laughs> if they if they're in the house, they get consumed anyway. You so. don't buy sweets in bulk. No, That's I don't tip. get me wrong. I secret eat a lot of stuff after midnight <laughs> as well. Well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining me. If you want to find out more, you can always uh, check out his website. It's chefmikeward.com. Thank you so much for coming in. You're very thank welcome. You thank Sydney. you. Thank you for the treat. It's always nice when people bring me treats. Uh, coming back after the break, we'll check in and see what Vinny is up to. And I've got enough winners now for the home show, so thank you so much. I'll reply to the people who won passes. You're listening to The Paychen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk situation there because I felt like oh Were I should say something because you weren't here I thought for I walked uh, my guests out of the studio and we were just saying goodbye and then I realized oh I gotta run back and I thought well Vinny's in there he'll start the show um, I, <laughs> I love this text that just came in hi pay was he there in person he's pretty hot just looking at his website and I think that was obviously about sorry maybe it was about you Vinny but I think it may have been about uh, chef Mike Ward I think it was it was probably that was probably who it was. Um, you think you that's weird? At? I just got a text from. Uh, can I say this? I think I can say this. I'm sort of friends with his ex, and he said, um, "Did you just?" I just got a text saying, "Did you meet my daughter and ex-husband?" Um, that's kind of weird. Is this true? Let's not talk yeah. about this anymore. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that. Well, I just well, did. That she, <laughs> she was listening then. Yeah, there you go. Well, I did meet him, and he's a jolly nice man. That's a small Although world, I always get it? freaked out when people with accents talk about my accent. Well, I, I think they in. do it playfully, right? Because they realize that they have an accent. Yeah, because I walked in and he said, Poor, you're fresh off the boat. And I said, yeah, 10 years ago. <laughs> Although it does sound quite fresh off the boat. But he sounds quite fresh off the boat, doesn't he? He does. I think you both do. I would not have been able to pinpoint who was fresher off the boat. Mm. We're both fresh. I'm the least fresh off the boat, but probably the one that looks more like she's just off the boat. I got um, a text from his ex-wife <laughs> just came through that says, lol. So, <laughs> A, I think she's listening, and B, I think this is in good spirits. <laughs> well, I think so. Can you text me if this is inappropriate radio that I'm mentioning <laughs> that I know you and your ex? Anyway, whatever. Uh, how was your show so far? Um, it was good. It was nice to have uh, nice to have Mike on, you know, because he's... Yeah, he's a dad. He's got two kids. And that's, you know, the reality of cooking for a family, like any mom or dad out there running around and having to prepare meals. It's not always fancy stuff. You know, I know I have a lot of people on the show yeah. who talk about. Did you find really it harder foods. to interview him because he's sexy? Did I? No. No. Are you not no. intimidated by people's sexiness? I, um, before you answer that, I noticed you're very comfortable with me. Yes. And I am not. Maybe I usually would be. Maybe I am intimidated by people who are sexy, and therefore I am not intimidated by being in the same room as you. Did I answer that correctly? It was beautiful. It was nice, huh? Mm, it's really good. Um, hey, I don't know if you were on Facebook tonight. You probably were. Mm. But I posted this. I wasn't, but yeah. Oh, okay. 
Oh, was it? Was I supposed to be looking at you as I always do? Yeah, you're supposed to be stalking me on Facebook. Yeah. Um, someone says Vinny sounds fresher, and I love, love, love his accent. That's probably you got your friend to text that in, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what does this text say here? That's just come in from his ex-wife. Top one. You are you are just as sexy. That's nice. Not my words. The words of his ex-wife. <laughs> All right. I wanted to ask you, Vinny White, if there's anyone that you feel, and think about this for a second, if you just kind of look back into your life, anyone that you feel like you would like to apologize to? Like, is there ever anyone that you felt like, ah, oh, you know what? I was kind of a jerk. I should, I'd like to apologize to that person. Um, I have already done it. It's actually quite a serious thing. I was went for a very brief period, which I'm not very proud of, of being a bit of a bully. And it wasn't um, wasn't awful, but I was quite unfair to a particular kid at school. And I emailed him about five or six years ago and said, I hope things are going well. I just realised that um, I feel terrible about those things I did years ago. Uh, I used to always like, he had a glasses strap on, a strap yeah. on the back of his glasses, and I used to ping it against his head. You're really? Oh, it was absolutely abhorrently stupid. How old were you? About 13. Mm. Mm. So anyway, I apologise to him. But I think I'm all done now. I don't think I need to apologise to anyone else. Do you have anyone listeners. else you feel bad about? that you? Just the people that have to endure my radio show. <laughs> it's a constant apology to everyone. Yeah. Why do you ask? Um, I ask because I was. Um, I don't often open up Facebook on my on my computer. I, you know, it's on my phone, and I kind of like open it very quickly and flip through things. So I didn't realise that in your uh, your Facebook inbox there's the inbox but then there's another folder called other which i only saw at the top there very faint so it's kind of like the spam folder of your facebook oh yes yes so i think i happened upon it once before and i realized that it was mostly just junk in there Mm. or like you know group messages so i didn't care about that but it's it's clearly not something that I check very often. So I thought there was like 40 messages in there and I hadn't checked this folder in a few years. So I went through it. Most of it really, wa- really was spam or it was like random men who are like, hey, sexy, why do you think any woman would ever reply to a random message from you? Hey, sexy. What do you actually think is going to come of that? that is she's that what it reply? said as well? Just hey, sexy. I, do you know how many messages? And I'm not just saying me. I'm just saying women and my friends in general. You get yeah. these messages. Uh, someone posted, I think it was Jesse Lorraine, uh, the producer of John Moore Show, said, um, hey, Facebook creepers, stop sending me photos of your junk. I'm married. But this is what people do. People, Complete strangers will send you the most inappropriate things. And it's annoying because, of course, we're not going to respond. Anyway, I opened up this one particular message, and it was dated 2013. Um, so... I felt bad that I, I hadn't seen it, but it said, um, it said this. It said, hi, pay, this is, I'll leave out the name. You may remember me from Millwood High, which is the high school I went to in uh, Sackville, Nova Scotia. And it says, I'm writing to you because I wanted to apologize for a convo that we had regarding the fashion show. I'm sure you don't remember, but it has stuck with me for years. This is a fashion show that I would have done in high school. Mm-hmm. Like we put it on wow. maybe as a charity event right. in probably 1994. <laughs> okay. So he's writing to me almost 20 years later. Right. So the, the email continues. People were making suggestions on what clothes we should model. And I made a comment like, why don't we get some better brands? You spoke up and said, not everyone can afford that stuff. I could tell that you were upset and that bothers me still. 
I wasn't a snob, but I see how snobby I looked in high school. Let's remember, this is almost 20 years later. I'm sorry if I offended or upset you. I never came from much. And I figured since I worked hard for my material possessions that I could have a cocky attitude. I was wrong, and I feel that it's never too late to say I was wrong, and I'm sorry. I hope you don't find this message too strange. I always liked you and thought about you over the years. I wish I had a different outlook on life then and gotten to know you better. Sincerely, name deleted, left out. Um, so I was really shocked because, first of all, I don't remember who this was. Oh, really? No. And oh, so I, this really hasn't stuck with you at all. No, no. but I emailed a girlfriend of mine right away and I said, do you remember so-and-so? And she said, sounds familiar. Why? And I said, I I got a message from him, but I don't remember who he is. And she wrote back, I'm not surprised. So that's a reflection of me. Um, but so I don't I don't remember who this person was. I, of course, remember the fashion show that we put on. I don't remember this conversation. So it didn't, I mean, it may have made me angry in that moment, but not so upset that I carried it with me. Um, but this that this man looked me up to apologize almost 20 years later because he it bothered him that he acted this way. Yeah, I, I started crying when I read this email. What? And I wrote you started crying this I week. I started crying. It was tonight on my way here. And why did it affect you then? Because I felt, I felt some compassion. I think and and empathy that he felt so terrible about something that happened almost twenty years ago. So you were crying has... because of the thought of him being upset. Upset you for yeah. I mean for twenty years. That he just, he was like, I hope I didn't come up, you know, saying that uh, I hope I didn't upset or offend you. I, and I also thought it was a very kind gesture. Yeah. I think partially I was emotional because I thought, wow, this is really quite unbelievable and, um, and rare that someone would apologize. Well, that someone would apologize, period, for being a jerk, because I know a couple of jerks that owe me apology, mm. um, but that he thought never it's never too late. Isn't that something? It's, so I'm, just, it really, I'm fascinated by it. I genuinely think that's amazing, yeah. So, you know, that's why I was asking, like, you know, is there anything ever, anyone you think you need to apologize to? I think there are a few people who owe me an apology mm. who are probably not listening, but they really do. I think you probably owe me one for the ongoing sexual too. harassment in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> and, Pay, I'm sorry about the flight attendant thing. I was just kidding. Elliot said he looked. I, he, when I walked in, he thought I was a flight attendant. <laughs> that was true. I actually did for a second. I had Is that a flight attendant? Scarf or what? around my neck, and he <laughs> thought it's a flight lovely, attendant. It was a lovely garment. It's a little bit Air Emirates. A lot of people are flirting, flirting with you on text message right now, Vinny, and, and I feel like they're all your friends. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in tonight, everyone. Uh, Vinny White is coming up next. The very sexy Vinny White, according to the text messages. Oh. I didn't say it. Oh, he got so happy for a second. Oh. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you next Sunday.